0: G'day everyone. If you don't know me, my name is Matt Bartlett uh, and it's my privilege to uh, open God's word to us this morning. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a handout as usual, it looks a little different from usual today, um, it's in your, in your bulletins, hopefully you've got a pen or pencil and that might, there we go, graham has got it, he's looking forward to filling it out, um, uh, it might help you along the way. Uh, so we're going to be looking at uh, the book of Ephesians. But first of all, I've uh, brought along this morning an ancient relic. Some of you might have seen one of these before. It's a CD. Now I hear that even you know, prior to these, the, the CDs used to be like five times bigger and made of vinyl. But uh, I haven't got one of those. I've only got one of these uh, CDs. And just, uh, you know, these days we... Uh, I'm not sure about you, but well, I listen to my music on my phone. I've got Spotify. I've got access to just about every song that was ever written. Uh, I could listen to it whenever I want. But um, when I was growing up, we didn't have that. We had CDs. We had limited access to just whatever CDs we had on our shelf uh, or we managed to borrow from one of our friends and, you know, we would take the CD out, we'd put it in our CD player and into our Discman if we were lucky enough to have a Discman. And for the next 40 minutes or so, we were restricted to listening to only the, the 10 to 15 songs that were on this CD. Um, now, you might remember listening to CDs, you might still listen to CDs. One of the ways that a lot of people listen to CDs, they, they put it in and they hit that skip button and skip all the way to their favorite song and they listen to it over and over again. Uh, my youngest sister used to do that and I have to say she to drive me crazy. Um, uh, but you know, I, I guess it's a, it's a perfectly legitimate way of listening to a CD to skip forward to your favourite song and listen to it. But the problem of doing it that way is that you miss out on a whole lot. You know, the artist, in, in this case Queen, um, uh, has just put together a compilation of songs that they have written for us listeners to, to, to listen to all of them, to, to receive it as, a, as an integrated whole, uh, to, to be listened to from start to finish. Uh, And if you only listen to to one or two songs, you'll you'll, you'll probably miss out on that. So, for instance, with this CD, this, in my opinion, is one of the greatest CDs ever, uh, which is why it's the one that I took off my shelf. This is Queen's A Night at the Opera. Uh, If I gave this to you, you'd probably, you might put it in your CD player and skip forward all the way to track 11, which is everybody's favourite song, Bohemian Rhapsody. This is the the CD it came from. And, you know, no one would blame you for doing that. Bohemian Rhapsody, amazing song. You could listen to it over and over again. But if you did that, you'd miss out on a whole bunch of awesomeness. So, for instance, uh, there's, there's great songs on here. I'm In Love With My Car, sung by Roger Taylor, the drummer. Brilliant song. Um, the Prophet song, track eight. One of the most, under, the most underrated Queen song of all time, in my opinion. It's like an eight-minute epic uh, there's a whole bunch of other songs, including My Wedding Song is on this CD, actually. We, we dance to um, uh, You're My Best Friend by Queen. Um, but if you listen only to Bohemian Rhapsody, good though it is, you miss out on all this other greatness um, and you, you miss something important. You don't get to appreciate everything that the artist has put together for your benefit. Now why is Matt banging on about his favourite CD? Um, there is a point and it's this. Uh, In the Bible, there are 66 books and each week at church usually what we do is we choose one of those books and we zero in on one small chapter and we kind of mine deep into its meaning. Uh, And that is a great and massively beneficial thing to do as I'm sure we can all attest here because as we go deep into one small part of scripture we mine a lot of gold and it's really beneficial for our lives. But, Did you know that, as I'm sure you did, uh, each of the books of the Bible are actually, they're they're like this CD. They're an integrated whole that an author has written to be read from start to finish. And certainly there's benefit to taking it chunk by chunk over several weeks, but there's also something really important to be gained by taking the whole lot in one go as well. Now, the other thing about the Bible is that it has incredible power. I guess not unlike Queen songs, in my personal opinion, um, but in a slightly different way. Uh, Let me read to you a couple of verses uh, that kind of highlight just the the power that the Word of God has. So 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. The words have been breathed out by God and are useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting and training in righteousness. So the words in, I've got one here in the Bible, God breathe, they're from the mouth of God. The second uh, verse I want to read is from Hebrews 4, verse 12. And it says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's not dead or stale, just ink on a page. The words of God are alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating even to to dividing soul and spirit. The words in the Bible are God-breathed, they are alive, active, they are powerful. And as we listen to them, God's spirit works in our heart um, to enlighten us and convict us and shape us to be more like Jesus. So when the preacher gets up to give his sermon... The most important words that you hear him say are the ones that are read directly from the Bible. Because those are the words which are the God-breathed, alive and active ones. I mean, the other words, you know, the the ones that I'm saying now, they're they're all right too. You should listen to those. Um, There's some wisdom to be gleaned there too. But it's the words of Scripture that have the real power. And so because of these two things, you know, A, that you know, the Bible or the books of the Bible are integrated whole, um, kind of designed to be read from start to finish, and two, that the words of the Bible itself are the powerful, alive and active ones, uh, this morning at church we're going to try something a little different. Um, and I, I ran this idea past Jody a few weeks back and he's like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do it. So we're going to try it. Uh, this week we're going to, instead of digging deep into a small part of Ephesians, we're going to take it as a whole. Um, and instead of listening primary, primarily to my words of kind of explanation and application, we're going to switch the dial over from Matt's words to God's words. And so we, we're going to simply read through the entirety of the book of Ephesians from start to finish and hear what God has to say from it. Now, I found out last night as, um, as we, like, we did this, um, that apparently there's, there's a bunch of women in our church who have been doing a Bible reading plan and guess what the reading was yesterday for the, in their Bible reading plan? It was the whole of Ephesians. And a few of them were behind on it, so that, they managed to tick off the next day, which was fantastic. Um, but I, I'm excited to do this because actually this is how the early church would have approached the book of Ephesians. Uh, when you know, the operations minister uh, went out to the mailbox and found that there was a letter from Paul letter to the Ephesians, uh, they would, he would have brought it in he wouldn't have gone and kind of gone, all right, now let's read this in chunks over the next school term. Uh, or that they might have done that eventually, I guess. But pri- at least primarily they would have read through the entire book of Ephesians up in front of church to everybody, adults, children, men, women, pets, if they were there, I'm not sure if they were, but everyone who was present would have listened to the entire book of Ephesians. Um, And so that's what we're going to do today. In some ways, it's kind of like we're in a a bit of a time machine going back and experiencing the book of Ephesians, how it originally would have been uh, experienced in first century Ephesus, which I reckon is really cool. And so to help us along the way, a couple of things. Like I said, there's the handout there. Hopefully that'll help you uh, stay engaged. Um, On the back of the handout is uh, an illustrated overview of the book of Ephesians, I'd love to claim credit for that. I didn't draw it. I just I downloaded it from a, 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 um, a web page called uh, thebibleproject.com. Very very useful, um, and that kind of just is a bit of a visual visual structure of Ephesians that might be helpful as well. Um, as we approach, uh, we're going to read the whole lot, but I'm going to kind of stop at a couple of points along the way just to provide a little bit of insight, um, uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So. I hope you're ready for it. Um, as we get into it, I'm going to pray and ask God to, to help us understand what he's saying to us in his word. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us your word so that we might know you, and might know your will uh, in, in the world and for our lives. Lord, as we, as we listen to the book of Ephesians, your, your inspired word... Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand what it is that you're saying to us. Uh, and Lord, give us the will to obey it as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, now, I should, you, as I read, um, it'll be up on the screen, so you can follow along there. Um, or If, you, if you've brought your own Bible, you can follow along there as well. Or if you're looking along on your phone, uh, the, the translation that I'm going to be reading from is the, the New Living Translation, which is the one that we, we usually read from here. let's go this letter is from paul chosen by the will of god to be an apostle of christ jesus i'm writing to god's holy people in ephesus who are faithful followers of christ jesus may god our father and the lord jesus christ give you grace and peace God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Now I'm going to stop here for just a minute um, just to point out something. Did you pick up on what God's plan was? It's in verse 10. It's to bring everyone and everything in heaven and on earth and unite them under the authority of Jesus. This is a really important thing to grasp about God's plan. It's all about giving Jesus the glory and the authority and the rest of us to to be united under him. That's his plan. So I just wanted to point that out because... The kind of we see that through the rest of Ephesians. I also wanted to explain a couple of words that you know just might need a little bit of explanation. You might have noticed the words Jew and Gentile. We see these words pop up lots of times through the Book of Ephesians as well, so I thought it was worth just explaining them a bit here. Jews historically were considered to be the people of God. They were the descendants of of God's servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They they were. Uh, like members of the the Israelite family from the 12 tribes of Israel. And they were were the people who were God's chosen people. Everyone else is a Gentile, those who are not Jews. Um, And from a Jewish point of view, Gentiles are not considered to be right with God. So to the Jews, Gentiles were a bit festy. They wanted to steer clear of them, Uh, didn't want to associate, have anything to do with them. Because they were not God's people. But here a bit of a spoiler alert here, Ephesians, in Ephesians we see that God has worked to bring even these two people groups, Jews and Gentiles, together and unite them under Jesus. We'll read more about that as we go, but I just thought it was worth explaining those two terms before we moved on. Let's pick it up from uh, chapter one, verse fifteen. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you the spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority, power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Now, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But... God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we were united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us to do long ago. Now, did you notice here God's call from death to life? It started back in chapter 1, verse 20 and talking about how the power of God raised Jesus from death to life and seated Him in the place of honour in the heavenly realms. And so God's call started with Jesus, but it also... He goes on to talk to how he called us from death to life too because we were in Jesus. Despite the fact that that people were spiritually dead because of sin, believers were were raised from death to life with Christ and seated in glory in the heavenly realms, not because we're particularly awesome people, but because through our faith in Jesus, we are united to him. And God called him from death to life. And so we too are called from death to life. Now back to the Gentiles, verse 11. Now don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ, You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups of God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. And now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made a part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. I just want to stop and explain again. Now, through the Bible, it talks about the place where God's people belong is the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom kind of takes different forms throughout the various stages of the Bible. Um, and ultimately, it kind of refers to that, uh, that eternal heavenly kingdom where all of God's people will spend forever with their king, Jesus. But through most of the Bible, citizenship in God's kingdom has been exclusive. So, not not just everyone could be a citizen. You pretty much had to be born in, which was good news for the Jews who were born in, and bad news for the Gentiles who weren't. But again, the recurring theme is that through Jesus, God has enacted his plan to unite even the, the Gentiles into his kingdom. Not as slaves, not as tourists but as fully fledged citizens and that's good news for you and me as well because I don't know if you realise this but, but most of us fit into that category of Gentiles. I don't know if there's anyone here today that knows that they have Jewish heritage. I've got a friend uh, who has Jewish heritage so he is a descendant of Abraham like legitimately um, uh, but most of us in, in uh, 21st century Australia don't fit that category. We're Gentiles. And so this means that we would have been excluded from God's kingdom as well, if not for Jesus breaking down that wall of hostility and bringing us in. So we too can have God's spirit. And as he reflects on this, Paul, who incidentally was the Jewiest Jew that ever Jewed, like he, was a, you know, he was a Jew, but as he reflects on, on what Jesus has done here in bringing the Gentiles in, it, it causes him to fall on his knees and praise God, which is where he begins to go now in this next section. But I just, he, he kind of starts off in a sentence in verse 1 and then it finishes with a, a dot, dot, dot because he then goes on a bit of a, an aside just to explain some things to the people he's writing to. And then he comes back to it again the original. So, so just keep that in mind as we read this next bit. So from chapter 3 when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, dot, 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 here's his aside bit. Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I've written, you'll understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now, by his Spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan that both both Gentiles and Jews who believe in the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. And God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honoured. When I think of all this, and this is where he gets back on track into what he was saying before, when i think of all this i fall to my knees and pray to the father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth and i pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit then christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him your roots will grow down into god's love and keep you strong And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now, it kind of feels at this point that this is like the end of Ephesians, isn't it? It's the way that that last paragraph finished, but it's only halfway through. And that's because this is a really significant hinge point. Um, And if you look at that that picture on your handout of the overview of Ephesians, you can see this represented. There's two halves uh, of Ephesians. Um, uh, One, the box on the left or the box on the right. Uh, And uh, so far in this first half, we've been looking at the foundations of the gospel, basically, what God has done through Jesus and who he has made us and called us to be through Christ. And now Paul changes gears a little bit and he turns to some very practical teaching on what this should look like in the life of believers, how we can live a life worthy of God's calling. And he mentions a few different realms in which this applies. And the first realm uh, is in the church. So we'll pick it back up again from chapter four. Therefore, in light of all this stuff I've just said, I, a prisoner serving for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called, to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scripture says, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives. And gave gifts to his people. And notice what it says, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that are so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So that's the first realm that Paul talks about here, about living a life worthy of the calling we've received, and that's in the church. Now he moves on to uh, look at a life worthy of the calling in our personal lives. So verse 17. "'With the Lord's authority I say this, "'Live no longer as the Gentiles do, "'for they are hopelessly confused.' Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. And since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. And instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't let sin... By, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still anger, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as through Christ he has forgiven you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. And so live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. It's Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people uh, do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That's why it's said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ now i want to stop here because i think that verse that i just read is a very important verse submit to one another out of reverence for Christ so it, it kind of it sums up what he's been saying but it also frames what comes next which is about living a life worthy of the calling in the household now this word submission is sometimes causes us discomfort and on one level rightfully so because some people have used this idea uh, to gain power for themselves and abuse those who they are forcing to submit to them but this is not the kind of submission that the Bible is talking about notice it says submit to one another It's not a one-way submission where one person has all the power and the other is forced to submit. That's not how it works. Everyone is called to submit to each other both ways out of reverence for Christ. And that's important to keep in mind as we read these next verses, particularly about husbands and wives. It's important that we realise it's not a one-way submission It's both ways. Sure, it looks slightly differently for each person. It looks differently for the husband as it does for the wife. But the whole point is that it's not a power imbalance. It's mutual submission. And then it's the same when it comes to talking about parents and children and later on the slaves and masters bit too. Um, Which, just, just a word on the slaves and masters bit, that is a bit of a foreign concept to us on one level as well in 2021 because... We don't really have slaves in our household like they did back in in Ephesus and actually for a lot of a lot of history. Um, one of the things that I find helpful is just picturing that. We've tried you know, we try to apply it to different things. The one that I've got in my head is uh, thinking about Batman and Alfred. Uh, so if, I don't know if you've ever watched a Batman movie or uh, the Lego Batman movie. It's pretty hilarious. You should watch it. Um, but Batman and Alfred both live in the same house. They're, they live in Wayne Manor and they have a different role in that house. Batman is the master and Alfred is the servant, the slave. So Batman is the guy that's in charge and Alfred serves him. They're not, they're not kind of you know, uh, in, a, in a, this weird power imbalance relationship. They just have a different role. And I think I, that's, I find that helpful as I read the slaves and masters bit anyway, so maybe you will too. But let's continue reading, and I'll start again with that important verse. Further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He, Christ, is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For This is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. And try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. And slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favourites. So there's three realms. Uh, First the church, then in personal life, and then the household. We move on to this last section, which is all about fighting a spiritual battle, so we 're on the homeward stretch here. A final word: be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. put on all of god 's armor so that you 'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places, therefore. Put on every piece of God's armour so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle you will be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For shoes put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan, that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains, chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I'll keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. To bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I'm go, how I'm doing and how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you peace be with you dear brothers and sisters and may God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness and may God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there you go, that's the end of our journey through the letter to the Ephesians. As we've read that just now, we have heard the, the alive and active words breathed from God's mouth. And I hope and pray that as we've done that, you've been able to appreciate the bigger picture of Ephesians and how it all works together. But also, I pray that God has worked in your heart to illuminate His Word to you by His Spirit to teach, rebuke, correct, and train us all in righteousness. Now, at the end of the handout, there's a chew on this question, which will come up later as well. But I really want to encourage you tonight, um, it's very easy to just to dismiss the chew on this question, but it's, it's really good practice to get into just to go okay what is it that I'm taking away from here? What what is it that how has God spoken to me from the book of Ephesians so I really encourage you to have a think through that what is the thing that you've learned and I really encourage you to, to share it with someone over morning tea or over brunch uh, so to finish I'm going to pray and thank God for his word a loving heavenly father thanks for your word uh, thanks that it's living and active thanks that They are the very words from your mouth and are useful for shaping us to be like Jesus. Lord, help us to love you and your word and that you would write it on our hearts so we would live by it. I pray that you will continue working in us by your spirit as we reflect on these words from Ephesians. That you'd help us to live our lives in a manner that is worthy of your calling on our lives through Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.